are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. It is trade deadline episode. Sam and Steve here to break down the past week of Yankees baseball, but most importantly, the deals the Yankees have made. Sam, it was a fun trade deadline. How are you doing over there? It was a fun trade deadline, and this episode is going to be trade deadline centric. I am not doing so good right now. The Yankees score six runs off of Logan Gilbert, a really good pitcher. I came on right when we got on Skype, and I, I just said, oh, I'm pissed off. Like, and you, you asked me how I was doing right away, and I like just totally tune you out sometimes after these losses. It's not your fault. It's nothing personal. You don't even listen to but me, that was a I do, but it's just so much in those first 10 minutes after a Yankees loss. I don't freak out and like let it ruin my day anymore like I did when I was 12 and 13. But For like sure. those first 10 minutes after a loss like that where you – are facing a pitcher with a sub three ERA and you score six runs off of him. You chase him in the middle of the sixth inning and you choke like that. Just annoying. It it rubs me the wrong way. The Yankees should have won that game. There was no pausing this week. I mean, between games, between trades, they get Benintendi last week. They have a really, really busy Monday, and then today was a whole fucking whirlwind of events. So we have plenty to talk about, and I'm excited. I'm happy to do that. Yeah, so we'll cheer you up a little bit here, Sam. While it was a tough loss versus the Mariners, and they will have an afternoon game on Wednesday for the, the rubber match of that series. The Yankees are 70-35 and 35 in first place, uh, a solid 11 games up on the Toronto Blue Jays, and... Currently the only team still with 70 wins. So the Dodgers might might be able to join them uh, on the West Coast tonight. But, but overall, the Yankees are the best team in baseball. And I think they made significant improvements to their roster over the past 10 days. So let, let's, go, let's go through it. You mentioned him first. First deal of, of, of deadline season for New York was getting Andrew Benintendi from the Royals. Uh, a, a rental player here. We know him well from his Red Sox days here, but um, <clears throat> struggling in, in his first week with the Yankees. But but give me the positives here of, of what the Yankees are getting with, with Benintendi for the rest of the season. They're getting a guy who I think is going to produce a lot. And one reason, I think, is because he's been in a pennant race before. Multiple ones, may I add, in a big market just Four hours up by 95 in Boston. That's a big reason I think he's going to produce. He's hitting over 300 this year. He struggled with the Yankees hitting the ball so far, but he's getting on base a lot. It felt like this past weekend against his former team, the Royals, uh, he was walking every single game, which was really, really good to see. It was what we were sold about him. The power numbers may have gone down a little bit, but the on-base stuff is there. He's one for 25 in his first week as a Yankee. That spans over six games. But I'm not concerned at all. I think he's going to 
produce a lot. And I think the power numbers are going to go up being in Yankee Stadium. And I, I, think I so say too. this all the time, but it's tough to be traded midseason, especially going to Yankee Stadium with your former team. He checked into the hotel with them. It's a big adjustment to be traded midseason. Not everyone goes Manny Ramirez in 2008 with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So he's got a week. There's another game Wednesday. There's an off day Thursday. That'll mark one week since the trade. And then it's going to be time to start hitting the ball, even though he has done a pretty decent job at getting on base. I really like this move. It did not cost the Yankees much. They gave up their number 19 prospect their number 21 prospect, uh, and another right-handed pitcher. So a rental, and there's no complaints about this move from anybody, I think. I agree. And, you know, like you said, Benintendi's been here for six games already. He's got seven walks in those six games, but he's only got one hit there. You are not going to see the power numbers uh, from him. He's been he's been a contact guy. He's been a high-on-base guy. He's a, he's a decent fielder with a kind of a noodle arm, which that's fine for left field for the Yankees. But, but it's an improvement. It's an improvement here. He was talked about for, for several teams. Early on, the Yankees were, were listed on, on that targeted teams here, and they weren't going to wait. They weren't going to wait for the price to go up anymore. They, they had a deal in place and, and pulled the trigger a week before the deadline, which is great to see that the Yankees did, did that, kind of checked that off, outfield help, needed, done. Uh, lefty bat, as you said, which, which should lead to more home runs in the Yankees, but he's not there to be a home run guy. You know they're they're getting rid of the the potential home run guy and replacing him here with a guy that's going to make contact, get on and and get on base. So we'll we'll see what happens here with, with Benintendi. Like you said, big big playoff experience guy seems to always have a highlight in the playoffs, um, including a nice clinching game uh, game clinching catch with the Red Sox versus the Astros. It always pops into my head here. As for the Yankees, they, they dealt from a position of strength. It might not be a strength after a few other of these moves. But like I said, they gave away three pitchers here that I don't think would have ever really done anything for the Yankees there. Two of them probably are relievers. Um, and, and while the Yankees are really deep in, the, in this four to five fringe starter prospect area. So... That's the what they, they went with. Um, T.J. Seacom went 38th overall in the, in the 2019 draft. It's probably the highest draft prospect that they gave up here who, who's, who's pitched well. But, you know, we'll see what happens. These guys go play for the Royals. Good for them. This is the, It's a rental package, uh, so no, no huge names. Um, and Benintendi should be playing every day. So let, let's give him a week here. I Look, the Yankees have made it very clear. Yankee fans have made it very clear. Their outfielders need to produce and hit. The reasons the Yankees needed to get Benintendi was because one outfielder was not producing and not hitting, and now he's on the Dodgers. I didn't see them coming up with a move here, but Joey Gallo is off the Yankees. Uh, after a year of being the prized winner of the deadline and, and landing Gallo and landing you know a target that a lot of contenders wanted, Gallo failed miserably here in New York. Um, and just like that, he's replaced by Benintendi. So what, what do you think thoughts on Gallo quickly going to – um, the Dodgers. It's pretty crazy because he did an interview with Lindsay Adler of the athletic last week. And he opened up saying that my time here was bad. I was horrible, whatever. And then he does another exclusive Q and a with NJ.com's Randy Miller, Joey Gallo throughout this whole thing was not hiding 
from how bad he was with the New York Yankees. And we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's really shocking to both of us. His job was to come here and hit 210. The strikeouts would come, but hit pop-ups to right field. He was a guy I thought was going to hit 40 home runs this year. My goodness, did that prediction ever fail so miserably. Because he could not even make contact. Couldn't even foul a pitch off. 97-plus up in the zone. His only home run in the last five weeks was when the Yankees were up 13 or 14-1 against the Red Sox, and he came in the pinch hit, and he hit a 94-mile-an-hour pitch, middle and dick high, out in the right field. So I wish Joey Gallo all the best. In terms of his future, I think he's either going to go on an absolute tear with the Dodgers or he's going to be DFA'd before the month is over. I think the latter is much more likely. He could not catch up with the Yankees to a 97-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone. Couldn't even fight it off, could not do anything with it. And if you can't do that, In today's MLB, I'm not saying you have to hit home runs. I'm not saying you you necessarily have to put the ball in play. But he could not even fight it off. And that is very concerning. My prediction is he's going to be DFA'd by the Dodgers before the end of the month. Okay, we'll have to stay tuned for that one. It's a crazy one. Like like you said, Gallo came in here with the exact perception of what we thought was good. What it was. We don't care. That he doesn't hit well. We want him to hit home runs and play excellent defense. Gold glove level defense. He struggled a lot defensively. He had a couple weird bonehead plays. This was a pure mental case of him just getting absolutely blown away by, by New York. You, and you could tell in those two interviews there. He was the guy was depressed, it looked like. He said he could never go outside in New York, maybe ever again. Like he wanted to come into New York. He wanted to do well. He knew there was pressure and he completely flopped. And he knows it. And he had 140 games with the Yankees, 25 home runs, batted 159, wasn't even getting on, still got on base at a 290 clip, which is which is pretty high given the fact that he was batting 150. But just all around failure for 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 both sides here. And like you said, it's, you feel for the guy a little bit because he clearly was oppressed, knew he was getting traded. Um, and this is a guy that lost a ton of money this year. He was hoping to you know, bang 40 home runs and then sign a big contract, whether it be with the Yankees or, or, or someone else. He's a, he's a free agent now, and that's kind of one of the reasons why the Yankees got him was to get a year and a half plus of him uh, last year. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the Dodgers. Uh, look, the Yankees got a prospect back for, for him. that don't know anything about the guy, but the fact that they didn't have to DFA him, that's a win for, for New York at, at this point. You know, shame it never worked out. Like you said, we were both high on him. We were both completely fucking wrong. 25 home runs in 140 games, uh, and no real big big moments here. He had one big home run last year, but but he's never able to get in that hot streak. He was a guy that hit 15 home runs in a month, and then he then he hit two the next month, and it was fine. We were all prepared for that, but we weren't prepared for literally never touching the ball. He had 37 hits this year. Aaron Judge had more home runs than Joey Gallo had hits before he gets <laughs> traded. So it's crazy to think about, but he's there. So the the outfield. Um, you trade out Gallo, who was basically a, a, a part-time player at this point, and you get in Ben Intendi for for a couple pitching prospects here. That's a win for the Yankees. One nothing Cashman uh, on the board. What was the next deal they made? Taking a couple days off, they get Scott Efros 
from the Chicago Cubs. And they give up a pretty hefty price, in my view. That was my first reaction. But yeah. when you realize Efros has four and a half years of team control, I think that makes it all worth it. They gave up uh, Hayden Morensky, their number seven prospect, according to MLB.com. Uh, and I think the four and a half years of team control is, is really what makes this trade. For sure. He also has that funky delivery and has that really good sinker, and he's got a slider mixed in there as well. And the Yankees really like relievers with dominant pitches. It goes back to Andrew Miller's slider. It goes back to Dellen Batantis's curveball. I mean, if you want to go back even further, it goes back to Mariano's cutter, and I maybe shouldn't put. But uh, so how about and, sticking with that error? It kind of looks he's got like a little Jeff Nelson to him, you know, someone who helped the Yankees win World Series out of the out of the bullpen. Um, so this is a it's, a it's a classic Cashman move, um, and you know, we in really terms sh- of relievers they've acquired, he fits yeah. the mold like Britton, Clay Holmes, um, Andrew Miller, yeah. I got even more, Sam. Look at the – for guys with years of control that Cashman's traded for the past three years, Tommy – or four, even four years, Tommy Kayleen, Wandy Peralta, Zach Britton, Mike King, Miguel Castro, Clay Holmes. He's won all of those trades. Those are good deals that Cashman has. When it comes to relief pitching, you just trust what Cashman does here. And like you said, this guy's got four years of control. This guy, he's technically a rookie. He's 28 years old, but he's technically a rookie here. This isn't even a one- or two-year type situation here. This is a this guy's a rookie. We have all the time in the world, and he's proven that he can play at the major league level. Like you said, a little bit of a hefty price here with the number seven prospect going. Um, you know, I think we'll, we could see uh, you know Hayden up next year with, with the Cubs. But would he be up with the Yankees? Probably not. He might be a spot starter. He might be kind of taking what Clark Schmidt's been doing the past year or two. He's not really getting a chance here to make a big impact here, where the Yankees need bullpen help. This was a strength of their team. And the injuries just continue to pile up. I mean, I'm probably going to miss someone, some guys here. But this year alone, we've had Chapman, Loizaga on the DL. Chad Green's out for the year. Michael King's out for the year. Miguel Castro's on the 60-day DL. Though Those are five guys that were in the bullpen to start the year. So And, and a very effective at, at times. Okay, I'm not Chapman and, and Loizaga going to start the year. But you, you, those, um, you, you, know, you needed to replenish the pen. The pen was worked a lot. Um, this is this is a a really nice move, I think, by by Cashman. We got to see him for the first time in the Yankee uniform tonight. He thought he gave up a home run to the first battery face, but luckily it stayed in the very small Yankee Stadium ballpark. But uh, I'm I'm excited for this to to see what happens with him for the next few years, and he's going to be used a lot this year. He's he going to probably take that seventh uh, inning role um, moving moving forward and, and be in very high leverage situations. Yeah, they would have had to protect Wierenski from the Rule 5 draft this Roster crunch, as well, which also definitely played yep. a role in the trade. But I think he's going to be really, really good. And he, he revitalized his career by going to that sidearm motion, which I thought was really cool. He had a good interview with Meredith Morakovitz before the game on Yes Network. And this was a solid move. We were adamant that the Yankees needed bullpen help, and they went out and made one of their typical moves of getting a reliever with a lot of team control left. I mean, we're nearly talking a half a decade. He's got four and a half years of team control. 
0.2 innings, one hit tonight. He thought he gave up a home run of the first battery face. Thank God he didn't. But I'm excited to see what this guy can do. And yeah. the bullpen was a spot that needed to be addressed, like I said. And they did just that. And it's it's hard to argue. Josh Hader, you tweeted about it. The Padres gave up quite a bit to get him. And they're gonna pay. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be very expensive next year too. So I mean the Padres we could talk about a little bit at the end of the episode of what the fuck they're doing. But he's gonna be very expensive. This is a, a much cheaper cost for someone that in the long run is probably gonna be better for the Yankees and Hater will be for the Padres when you consider the amount of years. So 50 strikeouts and 44 and two-thirds innings for Efros here. Um, and we're going to see a lot of him coming up, so we'll probably be talking about him more on the podcast. But I think that leads us into the biggest move the Yankees made at the trade deadline. Give it to me. Frankie Montas from the Oakland Athletics comes with Lou Trevino. And the Yankees give up. Four prospects, but they don't give up any of their quote-unquote big four, which I thought was really surprising. I thought they would have had to give up Oswald Peraza. But the athletics, like a lot of teams dealing with the Yankees, like the pitching prospects. The Yankees gave up three pitchers. They gave up Ken Waldachuk, their number five, Luis Medina, their number ten. J.P. Sears, we all know that name. He's made a few spot starts at number 20. And then uh, a kid they took in the 2021 draft out of Louisville, second baseman Cooper Bowman, their number 21 prospect. But, Steve, they miss out on Luis Castillo, who we all wanted. The Mariners paid a hefty price to get him. And it's ironic that the Yankees will see him for the second time in two weeks come Wednesday afternoon. Um, I really like Montas. I think he has good stuff. The one concern that I have is he has a 4.85 ERA on the road. I'm going to be paying attention to that with him going away from a big ballpark like Oakland Coliseum. How they did this without giving up Peraza and how they kept – all of their big blue chip prospects who, who we wanted them to trade for Juan Soto is a little bit beyond me, but I really like this trade. It gained steam all throughout Monday morning. The athletics were telling people they were out and the Yankees were still in. These teams have a history of making trades going back to the Sonny Gray deal five years ago in 2017. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, Hope this one works out a lot better. I think it's going to. I think Montas is your game two or three starter, depending oh, yeah. on how he pitches. Yeah, and just had to talk about the package that gave up a little bit. The Luis Castillo package was huge. So considering what the Yankees gave up here, it's it's a shock, like you said. There, once Castillo went, and you saw that size of the package that the Mariners gave up. You're like, oh, shit, the Yankees need to up their offer for Montez because there's no way that his price just went up. And, and it's – it's hey, credit credit to Cashman here again. We always give Cashman credit because we're, we're one of the people that like him a lot. But got a guy, another guy with a year plus control, second best starter on the market, and they didn't give up huge guys. That, the general consensus about everybody was, wow, how did they not give up Oswald Peraza? 
they I mean there was tweets being like the Yankees will definitely include him from like reputable sources being like oh yeah Yankees have no problem including Peraza and then to not have to give him in was was fantastic you know JP Sears is nice he's a back end rotation guy Walden Chuck has had a, had a great great past 12 months um, I think you'll see both of those guys in the A's rotation uh, to start next year. To, they'll join James Caprillion to, to fill out you know, most of the, all Yankee farmhands uh, playing for the, the A's. I really like Luis Medea. He's um, been following him for a little bit. Nasty, nasty stuff. You know, I think his ceiling, if he gets his control, could be a Luis Severino-type guy. Just, just electric stuff, but he also walks everybody and their mother when he loses it. So there is some, some risk there with that. So, um, you know, big high-risk, high-reward type guy for there. Cooper Bowman, the Yankees are stacked up the middle in the, in the prospects. So credit here. The Yankees get a top-flight starter using guys they've all drafted in the middle to late rounds. You know, these are fourth, fifth rounders. You know, Medea wasn't a huge international signing. The Yankees got him cheap for like two hundred grand. Did the Yankees maintain their level of success in those middle-level draft and international signings they'll have these guys replaced in two years that's not a problem the big thing here with me is, is the price that they gave up and they also got back a guy who i did not hear much of this year it's probably because of his bad numbers but we saw him tuesday night he did pretty well two-thirds of an inning one strikeout they get back Lou Trevino in the bullpen for their second piece. And I texted you right after the Efros trade. And I said, I want the Yankees, obviously another starter, but they need another reliever yep. in the bullpen. And they get that in Trevino. And he's a guy that's pitched some really big innings on teams that were pushing for a pennant, which to get him and Aaron Boone said it right away. His numbers haven't been great. He hasn't had a good season, but we see some things we can fix in him. And I am all the way in on that. He's a really, really talented pitcher. And what did you guess? The Yankees have him for half of this year, and he has two more years of control after this. Yeah. So uh, this is potentially an elite arm out of the bullpen the Yankees get. I know he's not having a good season, but this was – absolutely worth a flyer and if he produces like his old self which i think he is really capable of doing this trade's an absolute steal i would have done this trade even without trevino being in but yeah no for sure what a what a deal and look what the yankees see is that they 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 see clay holmes his underlying stats this year are almost identical to Clay Holmes when what he had with the Pirates. So, again, same thing as, you know, you, you let get him into the, the Matt Blake factory uh, and see see what happens here. Um, but his K rate is right there. He's got less walks than Clay Holmes. His, uh, you know, his home run fastball percentage, you know, is, is right there. So, underlying, he's got, you know, the, the path for the Yankees that they see is Clay, is Clay Holmes. But, but the headliner is Frankie Montez. This is a guy that is a number two starter on a playoff team. 29 years old. He's got, he's got some nasty pitches. He can, you know, he gets up to 96, but he also has like a, 
you know, a, a splitter that that works really well here. So he's going to be pumped out. You know, he's had a little bit of injury history, missed some time actually right before the deadline, and the, the A's were kind of showcasing him the past two weeks to be like, hey, he's healthy, he's healthy, please trade for him. Um, but, you know, th- this is this is the guy that the Yankees had. This is the movie Yankees haven't done in a while. You know, they haven't done the they, – they, they, they thought – I'll take it back. They, they thought they did it with Sonny Gray, and, and that kind of failed here. Um but, you know, Jamison Tyone kind of coming off injury with, with, with that deal here. But th- this this seems a, a step up from the Sonny Gray deal uh, and the Tyone deal. This this is a guy that we, we think can can make the big starts. And it's going to be what the, what the Yankees need. They're going to need someone behind Garrett Cole. Kind of with this deal came the fact that we lost Luis Severino to the 60-day IL. Luis Severino apparently was very pissed about that. He thought he was on his way to coming back pretty soon. My, my take on that before I toss it off to you is the Yankees are desperately trying to limit his innings. They, they're putting him on the 60 to just say, dude, you're not pitching. I know you're probably ready, but we can't risk you getting hurt in the middle of August when we need you to be pitching in October. So they're, they're kind of putting the dog in the cage here, and that pissed Severino off. But they, they got a plan for him. Hopefully Severino comes back here. And if you get Cole Montez Sevi as a 1-2-3, um, you know, maybe you got Nestor as your three instead there too. But interesting side move that happened with this deal with, with getting uh, Severino on the on the sixty day and putting him out for another month and a half. You took the words right out of my mouth, Steve. I have it right here in my notes. I have the exact quote from him uh, from Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com. Severino told reporters today, "I was not happy. I was not expecting that." And the Yankees limiting his in- innings is not something I thought of, but that makes a lot of sense. We talked about it early in the season. Severino, Cortez, two guys that have not thrown innings like this, in Severino's case, in several years, in Cortez's case, in his whole life. And he's on the 60-day IL, which was a bit disappointing for me because... As, as a fan, because it's relying on Domingo Herman, It's trading away Jordan Montgomery, which this all kind of merges. Now. It, it does, which makes it even the Jordan Montgomery trade even more surprising. I think, you know, if we want to get into that because you're like, oh, you're throwing Seve on the 60. Okay. You still got Monty in there to get some starts here. So trading Montgomery here makes this move even wilder, I think. Um, but they have a plan. He's got 86 innings this year. He threw 191 innings all the way back in 2018. Since then, he's had some serious arm issues, some serious shoulder issues. So, look, they don't probably don't want him getting over 120 innings. So, this is a way to make sure he doesn't touch 120 innings. So, hopefully, you know, Seve calms down a little bit. Um, he's got every right to be angry because, look, we've seen the emotion on there. He gives 110% every time he's on there. I don't think this move happens if they're not 10 games up in, in the AL East. If the Yankees are fighting for things here, Severino, I think, is pitching in, in August. But th- this cushion here um, is an interesting cushion because it, it does make you relax a little bit. And I think with that, you, you limit Sevy here. And then moving on to that, I think there's no way they trade Jordan Montgomery if they have they don't have a 10-11 game lead in the, in the AL East. Just because now there's an injury here, your starting pitching is pretty depleted here. You've given up guys... That you, um, the guys like even like JP Sears, that is good at the spot starts here. So where Domingo Herman's going to be in there, uh, really kind of perplexed, perplexed. Jesus, I can't talk. Perplexed at the the Monty Monty trade. 
Um, there was early early rumors of it this morning, and I thought nothing of that. Um, but I think this is a great move for for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I'm not a fan of it from the Yankees' perspective. Neither am I. And I saw this, and I was out of words because Jordan Montgomery has been good. He's been durable. Don't get wrapped up in his last two starts. Everyone was shitting on him for that, and like he was going out now. Players have bad games. He's durable, a 370 RA. He was a five innings, two earned, six innings, two earned machine. And the Yankees trade him for a player on the fucking IL who might not even play this season. There's a condition in this trade that the Yankees get a player to be named later if Bader does not play this season. No, I did not see that. But also it's just nervous. beyond me. You also mentioned something, Steve. I saw you tweet about it, that you think cost-cutting is part of this. And I see something where I know we know they want to limit judges' innings and center field, but I feel like there could have been a, a much better option where you didn't have to give up Jordan Montgomery, but your cost-cutting theory really caught my eye. Yeah, so I said that, you know, Monty is uh, arbitration eligible again in his final year before being a free agent next year at $6 million. He's probably going to earn between 8 $9 million, you know, possibly uh, next year for a back-end rotation guy. Maybe the Yankees think that's too expensive, whereas uh, Bader is locked in at $5.2 million with some incentives here that he definitely won't hit um, unless he's the, the full-time everyday center fielder, which is next year which I think is highly unlikely. So in there, there there's 2 $3 million of savings there. So, we'll, we'll, you know, who knows? But, look, Bader, I picked him up in fantasy like a few weeks ago, and the, the next day he went on the IL. That's the only way I know his, his name. <laughs> he steals bases, plays an excellent center field, uh, but he's, he's, out, he's out till at least mid-September with a foot issue. Not great for someone with speed to have a foot issue. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens with, with him. He, to me, it seems like a big, a big cost for someone that most likely is going to be your, uh, defensive replacement or, or fourth outfielder. But we've seen the struggles with Aaron Hicks tonight, two double plays and a strikeout. Aaron Hicks looks like shit tonight. Um, so, so maybe there's an opportunity for him to steal starts in center field and improve the defense. Final point of Montgomery I have here is, this is, a, again, a move you don't make unless you're guaranteed to make the playoffs, and which the Yankees are. Montgomery's not in your top four for starters in the playoffs. So you're not going to be pitching Montgomery. He's going to be basically useless in the playoffs, barring a big injury. Might not even be on the roster for, for some of the, the, the playoff series. So the Yankees are saying, let's get someone who's going to be on a playoff roster and maybe can steal a playoff game for us. And that's what Bader can give to you. If he's healthy... He could come in and steal a base and possibly win you a playoff game. So, th- so that's the trade-off, and I think that's what the thinking behind the Yankees and this move is. Very interesting move here. Obviously, you don't do this move unless you get Montez. So we've got a rotation right now looking up Garrett Cole, Montez, Nestor Cortez, Jamison Tyone, and Domingo Herman slash hopefully Clark Schmidt, right? You got to hope they – if Clark Schmidt can't get a start now, then they should have traded Clark Schmidt at this deadline as well. I think so as well. And I think Clark Schmidt is going to get a start in the very near future. And I'm not a fan of Domingo Herman. He got lit up against the Mets. He sucked last year when he pitched. And he really should have been roughed up a lot more 
against the Mariners Monday night. He wiggled his way into and out of trouble a couple of times. But I agree with your point about the playoffs. Maybe they didn't see Montgomery getting a start. Maybe they see Cole Montas, Severino, Cortez. Cortez. Or a three-man rotation. bit surprising to me because we've seen Montgomery have some success in the playoffs in 2020, although... You pitched a good game for Tampa. Yeah, he did. Not sure how much stock you can put into that because there was no fans and it was played on the other side of the country. But there was pressure, and he performed really well. So they have have playoffs on their mind, without a doubt. Yeah, and and you have to also think that they're they're, they're pretty confident that Severino's okay. Because like you said, Cole, Montez, Cortez, Severino, Tyone. Like that's five starters right there. If all healthy, we put them all above Jordan Montgomery. So he's a six starter. You're not going to use him for the playoffs. He's going to get maybe a little caught more costly, and you can replace him with Clark Schmidt next year on the roster and this year even. Fine. You can talk me into the reason for, for trading for this. I don't love the return of an injured guy who, who, who steals bases and plays. He plays a fantastic center field. Give him that. Uh, maybe the Yankees see something in him where they could uh, have him play a lot more than I think he's going to play and you know ignite his career. But, but moving forward, given what the Yankees have in the outfield, I don't see him being an everyday starter. Benintendi is obviously a rental, and Bader we have for next year too. So, again, the Yankees always thinking one step ahead, and I think they're thinking playoffs in 2024, uh, 2023. Uh, but it's a bummer to see Montgomery go. 97 starts for the New York Yankees. Jordan Montgomery's been around for a while. He's, he's been around in this rotation for a long time. He's always seems like a nice guy. Um, so wish him the best there. I think he's going to do well with the Cardinals. I think he'll fit in really nicely with that organization. So we'll be keeping an eye on him from afar. That's it, right? That's all they did. There are some rumors of Glaber Torres being involved in a deal. There were some late pushes. Maybe the Yankees were going for Pablo Lopez. That could be a possible deal I see them picking up again in the offseason. But, but overall, Sam, give me your, your grade for the Yankees at the 2022 deadline. I am going to go with a B plus. The Montgomery move is really head scratching to me. Like you said, uh, I was going to give it a minus. I think that's fair. Maybe even an A. I'm going to go with a B plus. I really like Efros Montas for the price, but three of the four moves are three great, of the four moves are A's. great moves. I'm docking a half a letter grade for not being one of the finalists for Juan Soto, even though there's a lot of rumors, but I'm B plus. Okay. I can, I can agree with that. I, I can, I can do that. I, I think it would be an A, but I'm, I, I agree with the B plus just because Benintendi struggled the first week. You know, Benintendi has got to produce for this to be a, a good deal for the Yankees. And look, maybe it evens out because they got rid of Gallo. They, they, they got something for Gallo. So that there, there's another win. I thought there could be some other roster crunch moves. Uh, shocked. Miguel and Duhar, Estevan Florial, still in the Yankees organization, but they're they're not they're, they're never going to be getting really back in pinstripes here. Interesting moves that the two of them are still there. They're they're out of options next year, so I'm guessing we're going to see them moved at the at the end of the year. But but they're here for the stay. So Cashman's always got work to do, as he says. Every move he makes is to try and get better. But look, the Yankees got a top the, the number two guy for from a pitching standpoint at the on the trading block. They got him. They got an outfield arm. The best team in baseball improved their outfield, improved their rotation, 
and reloaded their bull, their bullpen, which started getting hurt. And they did it without giving up Oswald Peraza, Anthony Volpe, Everson Pereira, who's who's pretty good outfielder that the teams are interested into, Jason Dominguez. They didn't give it up. Any of the household names you know from that Yankees farm system, all still there. I give credit to the Yankees. They, they, they did a good job here. They, they weren't shy. They were in on Castillo. They, they talked about Soto. They talked to Pablo Lopez. for them. They, they were in on everybody. There was no one that was like, we're out. I want to touch on Soto a little bit because it's a monumental deal for, for Major League Baseball history. I would sign Soto to a half a, mil, mil, half a billion dollar contract tomorrow. Uh, I've seen some rumors that he is going to want 50 mil a year. So I think him going to the Padres for a, for a huge package. Like no no doubt about it. They, you don't they traded they should never have traded Juan Soto, but the Nationals did did pretty well here uh, on what they got back here, uh, and it's clear that they liked the Padre package more than the Yankees, and they let the Yankees know early early enough that they can move on quickly, which was nice of them. Everyone's trashing the Nationals package, but I I think they did really well. Uh, you, you can't get CJ a fair Abrams. package for a player who's putting up Ted Williams numbers and is in the Hall of Fame and going to be 23 years old. You can never get a fair package, but they got a good package back for what if they had to trade him. C.J. Abrams is only 21 years old. James Wood, the outfield prospect, they got, uh, I'm seeing rave reviews on him. Yep, he's going to fly uh, through the he, rankings. He's only 19 years old. So Mackenzie Gore I, was a top 10 prospect at one point. I've heard that name forever. He's gotten hurt and he struggled, but like there's still, you are once a 10 top 10 prospect that they, they got a lot done. They even got Luke Voigt back. Luke Voigt was a throw in at the end after Eric Hosmer declined his, his deal to get there. So they, there's a, they got a lot back here for an organization that's likely going to sell. I think in the end, this is good news for the Yankees. I think Soto Waits out his arbitration, gets paid huge money, has his two and a half years in San Diego, and hits the free agent market. And I think the Yankees gonna should be all in on that. I, I don't think this isn't the end of Juan Soto possibly never coming to the Yankees. He's 23 years old. He's going to be a free agent at, at 26, I think. He's going to demand a half a billion dollars. The, the Yankees might have an opening in the outfield by then. So put a pin on that, 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 that Soto to the, to the pinstripes. Could, could be an option because I don't think he's going to sign long-term with the Padres. They have massive contracts going up there. I think he could be dealt again in in, a, in two years so they get some of these prospects back that they gave up. Padres are going for a World Series in the next year or two, and if it all of a sudden falls apart, Soto's going to be back on the trading block and, and not signing long-term. That's a good thought, too, that the Padres could look to flip him in a, in a year or so or two. I definitely agree with you. I think this is definitely not the end of Juan Soto, the Yankees rumors, and I'm excited to see them come up in the future. I really wish they would have got him now, but oh yeah, I would have given up everybody for him right now. That's hundred percent. That's whatever. Uh, it's in the past. Steve on Twitter today saw some Glaber Torres rumors. Yeah, from... Jack Curry started those a little bit, which and you know Jack Curry's in the know. It what seemed, do you think? Uh, it seemed to me as if people were calling him Cashman of the or the Yankees about Glaber. The way that he Jack reported it was teams intrigued about Glaber Torres, not that the Yankees were discussing Glaber Torres in trades. That could be in as simple as someone just calling and be like, "Hey, is Glaber available?" No, thank you. Okay. But then, you, then the, the Pablo Lopez rumors start coming out here 
And that could be someone I could see a, a, a deal for if the Marlins are looking for kind of a, a star to, you know, or a player that they think could be a star down in Miami. So I, I, I love Glaber. They do have all this infield depth coming up here. So I think the rumors of him, this could be the start of the rumors of him being gone from the Yankees in the next six months. You know, we'll see what happens this winter, but that could be an issue. That could be something there too, because you got DJ locked in. Anthony Rizzo's gonna opt out and gonna get a nice big contract. The Yankees love Rizzo. If they have to sign Rizzo to another four-year deal and they have DJ for another four years here, it kind of puts you know what do you do with Glaber situation? So maybe you do flip him for a controlled starter, and and then you see what, what if Peraza or or Volpe come in and and take that middle infield spots as well. So. It is what it is. Glaber Torres is on the Yankees. Pitch hit strikeout tonight, but I, I I love what Glaber's done in a huge back back year, and I think he he lives for some big moments. He's he's the walk off king in baseball, so I'm excited that Glaber Torres will be on the Yankees for this stretch run. I am too, and he, he's had a bit of a bounce back year. I think he could take it to the next level, but that was something that really caught my eye. Uh, on, on this trade deadline. And the Yankees made an unexpected trade with, with Jordan Montgomery. So if they made another one with, with Torres at the last minute to get like a Pablo Lopez or someone like that, it wouldn't have been a surprising move to me. So that's something that really caught what I was looking at. Glaber Torres has been good this year. Glaber Torres has been, has been really good. You know, Baseball Reference has him at a, at a 2.9 war right now. He's slugging, you know, 16 home runs. He's kind of turned into the player that – that we all thought he would be when he, we first traded for him. Being this 40-home run guy wasn't in the plans for Glaber. The juice balls helped that out a little bit. But being a 260, 270 hitter who hits 20 home runs and plays decent second base is awesome. I think he can be an all-star. We, we've seen him be an all-star, but but maybe the expectations got a little too high for him. But I'm a big fan of Glaber, uh, and you know I hope the Yankees keep him. He's 25 years old. He's, he's still young and under control. For, for the Yankees, but but it, I bet you that's an enticing option for, for some teams come come the winter, but I'm not worried about it anymore. The Yankees will employ him a lot. Josh Donaldson hit, some, hit a home run tonight in the loss, even though he had a bad error as well. So the Yankees infield is, I think it looks like the Yankees infield is set for this year, but to, to wrap it up on this point, it, it could be changed drastically next year, but we'll worry about that in the offseason. Donaldson has struggled for the most part. At-bats have been getting better. He's been hitting the ball hard in that show tonight. An RBI double, two-run homer. So if the Yankees get that, Josh Donaldson, we both said he's the X factor. This lineup changes in a big, big way. Anthony Rizzo's on fire. Aaron Judge, nothing more needs to be said there. Uh, to, to finish up, the Yankees are on a weird road trip right now, and they, they have are. two of them like that. Steve, I'm so, so confused. I know they're adding games and making up games due to the, the first week of the season being canceled, but they go to St. Louis, fine. They go out to Seattle from there, which is normal. If they stayed and hit somewhere on the West Coast, I'd get it. But they have to go from Seattle back east, and they don't even go home. They go to the Red Sox. And then later this month, they go out to Oakland. They go out to Anaheim, and then they go to Tampa back east. I mean, that's... It is a weird schedule. That's pretty weird scheduling. And even more of like that Seattle's here right now anyway. So, like, it's it's weird how it all works out. 
But yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I like interleague baseball. I like seeing players that we, we don't really see much. But funny enough, we're going to see Jordan Montgomery on Friday. He's he's kind of lined up to take his start versus the Yankees. So And they, they the Yankees have said that Montez has taken Montgomery's spot. So on Friday night or, or Saturday, we could get a Montez versus Monty matchup, which would be funny the way that works out. We're going to get Castillo twice this month. You know, we got him when he was with, you know, we got him before the break um, when he was with the Reds. And, and now we're going to get him twice versus Seattle here. Seattle's fighting for a playoff spot here. The, the Red Sox, shockingly, to wrap it up with them, they they didn't sell. I thought they should have. I thought J.D. Martinez should have been gone. I thought Nathan Avaldi should have been gone. They did trade Christian Vacas. They got Tommy Fan, And then they pull out Eric Hosmer here. Weird deadline for the Red Sox for a, a team that's three three games out of the wild card spot. But they can do whatever the hell they want, I guess. So, interesting. Yeah, road trip is 12 games, right? 12 games. No, sorry. Nine-game road trip coming up here. But a lot of new players here to, to make it to make it look fun. Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Cole versus Castillo. Nice, nice, real nice matchup there for, for baseball fans. Can't wait. Uh, I hope we'll, we'll get, get a good game. Yeah, and I hope the Yankees win two or three in the series. Still pissed about Tuesday night, but it's in the past. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Thir- 70 and 35. They have double the amount of wins. Then they have losses, which is always nice to, to just see some round numbers. Uh, and then wrap it up for the episode, Sam. 31 straight seasons of the Yankees having a winning record at home. 31. That's more than you're, – you're not 31. I know you're not. That's uh, I'm 32. So since I've been born, the Yankees have had a winning record at home. That is home field advantage, and that's what you need to be an elite franchise, a franchise that hasn't gone under 500 in your probably your entire life. But, but just nice to see here. And – that makes it all the more important that they continue to win and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That is a crazy statistic. And uh, the Yankees are going to clinch this season, uh, I think, 30 straight years of a winning record or, or 31 st- straight years. Something like that. It'll come close to matching it. I, I think it, will, uh, it should match it because, you know, the, the Yankees had that 95 uh, and 94 too with the strike. So. Even more with a winning record, which which is crazy that it goes back that far. But look, the Yankees need to focus on getting their new acquisitions acclimated with playing in New York because we've seen how terrible that can go for some guys like Joey Gallo and Sonny Gray. And if those guys they traded can get in New York, this is a World Series team. And that's what we need to happen. 1992, the last time the Yankees were under 500. Wow. That is a crazy statistic. You were three years old. That is. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be twenty eight years of, of over five hundred baseball. But they haven't been to a World Series since two thousand nine, uh, and that's the goal. The, these moves were made to end that drought because that is the drought the Yankees have. Other teams' droughts are making playoffs or, or being under five hundred. The Yankees' drought is winning a World Series, and I think the, the moves they made here these past week have better equipped them to win the World Series, and that's all I could ask for. I agree. Uh, I am thrilled to watch the end of the season, be checking in with you every week. We're going to take two weeks off. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week, but uh, I'm going to be looking forward to this just as I do every week. Big-time pennant race. It's World Series or bust, as always, with the New York Yankees. And, and a lot of their schedule is going to be playing teams fighting for playoffs. So the Yankees can play a little bit spoiler as well here. So the, the games will be important 
for, for everyone involved here. As always, love talking with you, Sam. Fun, active MLB trade deadline. Until the next deadline, we'll, we'll talk again. But the Yankees made the moves. Best team in baseball. Got better. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Let's get 28. Go Yanks, baby. Oh, my God.